Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on Off Tackle Empire, we preview week four as the Big Ten pivots to hybrid technology, mixing three conference games in with eight coal-burning, old-school, non-conference matchups, including four. Macrofice, Mactantop, Macintosh-type removal games that figure to produce exactly one interesting game on paper. Look, nobody's saying these games are environmentally friendly, but we have to extract these home games one way or another. And what about the jobs? Where are all the jobs going to go when the plant closes? Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome to Off Tackle Empire, the official podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Big Ten, but more or less the only one that embraces the Big Ten's innovative, cutting-edge transition to a newer, kinder era of much more sustainable football, is what the brand says as one of the division champions is almost certainly going to be a team that plays 1970s-style football. Before we go into week four in the Big Ten, week four already, time sure does fly. We will take a quick turn around the rest of the country in our college football nation recap of the week. First, Clemson nearly chokes on a Georgia Tech-shaped chicken bone, winning 14-8 to in what I have to assume was like Georgia Tech accidentally signaling the wrong play in from the sidelines after scoring their touchdown. A very weird, uh, a very lightning-delayed game. Yeah, there was, like, late in the set, in the first half, there was a lightning delay, too. So you, you have the thing where you're, the game is suspended for a while, then you come back out, play, like, a minute and a half of game time, and then it's halftime. I assume they probably were just like, all right, we'll just, like, short, like, five-minute halftime or whatever, and then continued, but still. You know, I wonder, it would have been pretty cool if that safety had happened to bring it to 14-8, to eight. With like 30 seconds to go instead of 7 seconds to go. Because you know, an onside kick could set up a, a Hail Mary and who knows. Well, I know. It would have definitely been incomplete. Is that what happened? Alright, I was assuming it was a touchdown two-point conversion. No, it was 14-3. to three. Uh, Georgia Tech got a field goal with a minute 19 to go. Okay. And then, uh, let's see, I see 7 seconds to go. Will Shipley fumble recovered in the end zone safety. So, hmm. safety cut it from a... Eight-point game to a six-point game. So that, for a second there, got very interesting then, because they would have still had to free kick it with some time left on the clock in a one-possession game. Very interesting. So that's, I mean, honestly, that's even more... Like, you you keep saying that it's a foregone conclusion that Clemson makes the college football playoff. I don't know about this year, man. Turns out replacing Trevor Lawrence may not be the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But ultimately, what you often find is that the squads with superior talent went out in the end, and it's not like a thing in, like in the Big Ten where there are teams with the talent to hang with uh, Ohio State. Uh, there's not really teams in the ACC that have the depth to hang with Clemson. Uh, you could maybe say North Carolina if they they strike, 
you know, they hit they hit just the right thing. They get out to a big lead. They got pretty close last year. They did indeed. Um, Georgia Tech did this year, obviously, but uh, North Carolina also just dropped fifty nine on Virginia. Yeah, that's true. Virginia's defense is not as robust as they were made to look uh, last week, but sure. Brandon Armstrong did look pretty good though. That that is the thing is North Carolina's defense is not very good at all either. But yeah, um, other and they can be had by Virginia Tech. Yeah, other uh, probably the game of the week in my opinion. Fresno State outshoots UCLA to a TV audience of dozens with like the ten o'clock Eastern time kickoff. Uh, this game went back and forth. Required a a very injured Jake Hayner to get up and and lead a game winning touchdown as you know as the last seconds wound down in this game. I considered playing Jalen Cropper. What a fool I was. Andrew's going to be a hard guy to ignore, especially, I mean, they played a tough non-conference schedule. They get into, it's Mountain West, right? Yep. They're going to they're gonna rip some teams apart. Uh, very good offense under Jeff Tedford this year. Um, I, found, I did find interesting the West Virginia-Virginia Tech game that feels like a very mountain-ass game that needs to be played more often. Yeah. Uh, I almost... Almost, almost played Bloody Brown instead of Isaiah Bowser, and you know Brown didn't have didn't go buck wild, but he had you know buck twenty and two touchdowns or something. Sure would have been better than thirty games and then an in, or thirty yards and then an injury. <laughs> you know, screw me, no, right? No, no, he had like sixteen yards before his injury, and then he came back, and it turns out he wasn't one hundred percent. Instead, he spent a lot of the game biking on the sideline like Ladanian Tomlinson in the playoffs. Fantastic. Wow. Um, in that game, UCF finds a very bizarre way to lose a football game as every skill player gets injured. Including Bowser, I think they also lost receiver. They lost Dylan Gabriel very late in the game. Yeah. Because um, what had happened was that uh, they'd scored a touchdown with a little over a minute uh, to go, and then intercepted Malik Cunningham with 25 seconds to go, and then Dylan Gabriel threw a pick six with 13 seconds to go. Yeah. And got hurt. Yeah. Um, and that it was a it was a tie game when he threw the pick six. Yeah, serious bummer there. Uh, Coastal Carolina faced an upset bid by Buffalo, but they held them off. So keep one eye on the Fighting Blue Roosters because if Cincinnati should stumble, they're going to be right there lurking, ready to grab that New Year's Six bid. Um, elsewhere, BYU took down the Fighting Herm Devils. A game that, when I was watching it in the early stages, looked like BYU was about to blow it open, but to Arizona State's credit, they kept it close, made it a game. Do get used to hearing the name Gunnar Romney, though. He used to be their quarterback. Now they've converted him to a receiver. He looks really good there. And I guarantee in another year or two, Sean Payton's going to get his hands on him, and we're never going to hear the end of it. Um, Man. Elsewhere, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think this might be like the first time that I really get to – I don't have any plans this weekend, so unless that changes, this might be the first time I get to really sit down and watch a full slate of games. And you know, again, if I, I kind of hope that we, if we're gonna lose, that we just do it quick, um, because I haven't gotten to really watch a full slate of games uh, this this season. But one one of the ones that I apparently did miss while I was having a good time out in Chicago was San Diego State thirty three, Utah thirty one, three overtimes. I guess. I, I don't think Utah's good enough. This I, I probably just overlooked it because I was like, no, Utah's not really anything special this year. Texas State lost Incarnate Word. Not that that matters, but it's always funny when Incarnate Word beats teams that they're not supposed to. Kentucky tried very hard to lose to Chattanooga, but couldn't quite manage oh, it. Oh, my God. And, of course, the reason here is we in the Big Ten shared our renewable coal-burning energy with our neighbors in Kentucky. 
Um, Will Levis and Wandale Robinson powered him to like a five-point win over the Mocs. So, related cold country news, Western Michigan beats Pitt in a shootout. Um, It's very bizarre to me that Pat Narduzzi's program really hasn't been very good at defense (laughs) through his entire tenure there. It's got nothing to do with him as a coach. It's got to do with where he coaches. It's Pitt. Yeah. How is Kenny Pickett still playing there? Well, it's got to be the free COVID year, right? I have to assume he would have been gone by now. But, like, I feel like he was there in 2014. Eh, maybe not quite that early. I feel but, like, like, yeah. It feels he's, like he's he was there my senior year of college. I'm fairly sure that he was, like, Narduzzi's, like, when he got there, like, whatever quarterback was on the roster, Peterman was on the roster. And so right. I think he was, like, Narduzzi's, like, chosen son quarterback recruit. Um, and, you know, there's been some highs and there's been some lows in there, right? Um, elsewhere, USC in their first game under interim, is it Dante Williams? Is that the guy's name? Yeah. Um, well, after, F- after a thing, well, <clears throat> the thing is USC had a big advantage going for it. What I found out a few years ago was a big advantage. And that is that their plane had a mishap on the runway after landing. Yeah. Now, if we learn anything from that Big Ten tournament a few years ago... Now you've gone through adversity. (laughs) Yep. And you are invincible. So USC is going to win out and win the Pac-12. You know, Jackson Dart is a name that I had my eye on as a guy that, if he wins a starting job, might actually save Clay Helton's ass. (laughs) But unfortunately, Clay Helton did not start him. Too late, yeah. Well, I mean, look... It's not like Keaton Slovis was bad. He just got hurt. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah. But no, Jackson Dart was a guy that I'd had my eye on. Also, hell of a name for a quarterback. Yeah, well, that's a, either a quarterback or a Disney villain in a movie about football. Uh, <laughs> so that brings us through the notables in the non-conference last week. Now we turn to this week in the Big Ten. Villanova at Penn State is Big a time in state rivalry. little bit of an ice down after Auburn. Honestly, that's okay. You should arrange your schedule like that so that you can catch your breath, recuperate. Um, that's probably the way you want to construct a non-conference, have a little buffer game in there between the big game and the non-conference. So that'll be a starters are done by halftime thing. Villanova was a pretty good FCS team, don't get me wrong, but still at Happy Valley. I mean, Ball State was a pretty good MAC team. Right, and Penn State had no troubles there. Um, that is, a, well, you know. Auburn was an SEC team. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> whose quality may vary wildly. We're not exactly going in chronological order here because for some reason the Wisconsin Notre Dame game is a noon kickoff. Um, it's, well, because it's big and I'm going to be nude. Oh, dear. On Saturday. Well, then. So we'll run through these sacrifices here first. Akron at Ohio State, nothing to see there. Ohio State does need to sort out their defense. I don't think Akron's going to be that much of a test, even if their defense is still disorganized. Now, they couldn't possibly be worse than they were a few years ago. True. Uh, that's another one of those. Seems like this has been happening a lot, where like a, a MAC team has been bottoming out, and then they play Illinois in the coach's first year. Now, of course, Akron was, was terrible, but it's like, you think, okay, then that team loses out or something, and then... You watch and they slowly get better and it's like hey maybe this coach is going to go somewhere and it's it's that's kind of the only place where you see those really slow motion rebuilds take place yeah uh like like we keep being assured is going to happen at schools like illinois but but it does happen in the mac and akron is one to keep an eye on i don't remember the name of their coach but he's a northwest ohio or no he's, he's like a central ohio lifer and um i can't remember it either it's like a it's like a four-letter word though right it's like a very ohio yeah 
Um, elsewhere, we've got Ohio at Northwestern. Nothing to see there. No problem for the Wildcats, I'm sure. Just going to move right past this yep, game. Yep, Nothing yep. to see. Same thing with Bowling Green at Minnesota, except I actually kind of mean that. They would probably be well-advised to try throwing the ball a little bit. They're not going to, but they probably should. And then the last sacrifice, Kent State at Maryland. This is a Kent State team that was just squished pretty good by Iowa and has, again, played a very difficult non-conference. They've got much more of a quarterback than than maybe any team that Maryland has played this far. Who'd Mar- uh, well, Maryland played West Virginia. I kind of like Jarrett Dagey, to be honest. I don't think he's got the mobility that Crum does. Okay, so I mean, it's a different type so it's of quarterback. Yeah, exactly, it's a different fair, type of quarterback. They're not going to be able to... And I think they did game plan specifically for Illinois, but they're not going to be able to do the same kind of things on defense. That being said, they won't also be, you know, in in theory, Kent State's talent level shouldn't be Maryland, that much higher than Illinois. Maryland does still have young linebackers. We, you know, we talked a lot in the offseason about all this young front seven. Well, they grabbed a couple of late transfers, so they have more experience on the defensive line, but their linebacking group is still very young. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle a running quarterback. At that being this said, level. you'd really expect the their time. offense to have a lot more success than they did against Illinois. Probably so. Yeah, probably so. So another sort of interesting game here, Indiana at Western Kentucky. I really thought that most Big Ten athletic directors would buy their way out of these road trip games they have with G5 teams where they do two-for-one or three-for-one deals like I would assume that the understanding is, okay, yeah, we're going to come play at your stadium. And then a year before, it's like, how much do I have to pay you to not play at your stadium? Because I'll make more than that with a home game. But yeah, well, you know, and it's like every every year you see, uh, of course, I saw the first tweets I saw about, oh, Illinois paid UTSA $1 million to go to their stadium. No, we didn't, and beat them. No, we didn't. We paid them a million dollars to not go back and lose there. I yeah. think I said that actually a couple weeks ago, but still, yeah. that's, that's the deal, like, we played a game at Ford Field against Western Michigan in 2008, and uh, the subsequent athletic directors have not allowed that to happen again. Well, no, Mike Thomas actually did allow it to happen again because we played in stores a couple <laughs> weeks ago, but Josh Whitman has so far not allowed it to happen. Yeah, I, I can't say I know anything about Western Kentucky much this year, but I am going to They've keep... got an explosive passing attack. I'm This year, do they? Yes, Bailey Zappi is currently averaging 43 fantasy points a game, though I don't know if their opponents have been anything of note. God, you are a freaking rain man when it comes to college football. Um, I I sort dudes by fantasy points per game. If you had done that, maybe you would have picked Matt Corral. No, I knew about Matt Corral and decided to go with what I thought were higher upsides play that oh, week. They, they you really going to tell me that you thought Matt Corral was going to run for four touchdowns? You made that <laughs> prediction. Get your head out of your ass. They hung 35 on Army. Um, which is, I mean, this is only interesting in that Army generally keeps the scores lower whether or not they win the game. I mean, so I don't know. I don't really know anything about Western Kentucky. All I know is that they want to pass the ball and that uh, that's kind of where Indiana's going to have to start on defense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> We've gotten through the games that, frankly, there's not a whole lot to say about. Now we have a few conference games to discuss. And uh, we'll begin by firing our cannons, Illinois, at Purdue. Well, this game could be a little bit interesting, more interesting than I thought. Uh, even if David Bell plays because Chase Brown and Josh McCray, the two top running backs for Illinois with Mike Epstein out, are apparently going to be good to go. And with McCray, especially, who's 240 pounds, uh, he's kind of the only guy that can make any hay between the tackles for Illinois. So uh, 
if if he can't play the game, they're not going to not run between the tackles. It's just they might actually gain yardage if he's in the game. So that's kind of the only thing that could really make this. I mean, it's really Illinois' defense from last week that makes me think this might be a little more interesting than I thought it would be after we played Virginia because Maryland is a fairly explosive passing offense, even though they kind of want to run the ball as well. Um, they're very similar to Purdue um, in what they're good at doing, uh, which is, of course, you know, taking shots downfield early and often. The difference is they don't do it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I predicted this one as a 24-10 to 10 Purdue before I heard the news about our running backs being back, and, and also a guard Julian Pearl. So I think it's going to be 24-17 Purdue. I think it'll be a little more interesting. Who knows? <laughs> sure. Uh, if it is that close, I'm sure we'll find a hideous and stupid way to lose it where our coaches look both cowardly and stupid. Uh, Nebraska at Michigan State. How are you on this one? It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm seeing. I'm looking now, and apparently the line has moved to MSU minus five. Like I said, it opened at three and a half. It'll probably settle around six, six and a half. But Nebraska is definitely a, a live wire. Um, Michigan State is going to have to deal with success for the first time under this coaching staff. And again, every little hurdle like this that they've had so far, they've passed with flying colors. So I like our chances to win. I think we should be favored. But Nebraska certainly got the talent to come in and win a game in Spartan Stadium. Nebraska they, did well against what I think the stats will end up by the end of the season. It'll be a very good Oklahoma offense, but it's a very different offense than what Michigan State runs. Yeah, Michigan State's offense is almost perfectly balanced in terms of total yardage, plays going you know, on the ground versus in the air. So, so although Nebraska's defense did some good work there, it, I don't know how much that will carry over. Uh, the other thing that you could arguably compare is Derek King and Adrian Martinez are very right. similar styles of quarterback, yeah. and you made Derek King throw it 59 times. We did, and the other thing was forcing him to sustain long drives. I mean, obviously that kind of is <laughs> implied by the 59 attempts thing, but the idea was the guy's going to get impatient, they're going to make a mistake, and they're going to either commit a turnover or a drive-killing penalty, and that approach worked. Um I would think a very similar approach could work here. I do think Martinez is more of a running threat than King is at this stage. He really, I mean, looking at him, he can still move, but King is not looking to run the way he maybe did earlier in his career. Um, so it's going to be doubly important to keep Martinez in the pocket and make him beat them with his arm. Um, if you can do that, then I guess you kind of shrug and hope you can score enough points. I mean, MSU is averaging close to 40 points a game. Having said, Nebraska... I mean, Miami should, in theory, have more talent on defense, but Nebraska might end up being the best defense that they play. Mm, of these first four, it's possible. I'll, we'll see what, the, again, we'll see what those results end up looking like for Miami over the course of the season. I think they're more talented than Nebraska on defense by a pretty good margin. I think this is certainly going to be, well, I didn't know what to make of this game at the beginning of the year. Definitely going to be a closer game than I thought after week zero. Yeah, I don't think Nebraska's as bad as they showed in week zero. I'm... I'm not. I'm still. I'm hedging my bets a little bit with Michigan State because I'm so emotionally wounded by what this program has done to me every time they've had a big game the last couple of years. But last week probably should have been enough to buck up my confidence. I'm going to go into this game expecting to win, but I also expect to have pretty bad heartburn and for it to be close throughout. Um, I would love to be wrong. I love for a romp in Michigan State's favor, but Nebraska has historically played well at MSU. 
Um, I guess not that, that matters to the current players. Cause and who knows how they're feeling, right? Got to feel a little yeah. encouraged about going against a former blood rival and and put fear God in them a little bit. Maybe, yeah, but there's also like a, we still lost. The, again, who can possibly know? Um, it is going to be a very interesting game, though, for both teams. If, if MSU wins this game, there's really no reason they shouldn't be going to Indiana at 6-0. and And I never, I never would have thought that they would be capable of that at the beginning of the season. So, anyway, looking forward to it. I, it's, I'm back in the mindset that I haven't been in probably since 2017, where I'm actually like looking forward, like counting the hours until my team plays again. Uh, it's just a great time to be alive. So, elsewhere in the, to finish up our Big Ten exclusive slate, we have Rutgers coming to the Big House. Michigan starts the season as always with seven straight home games. Um, kind of a low-key test for Michigan's run-dependent offense here because Rutgers is going to, I think, be a little bit more of a test. I mean, I know Washington's defense has the personnel, but their offense was so bad. I think we could end up seeing a pretty similar game to that Washington matchup for Michigan because yeah. this is also a pretty bad offense. I know, I know, Rutgers has scored points so far. They've played a really bad slate. And as we said in the recap piece, they can't control how bad their opponents are. But you did schedule Delaware. You know, you, you did schedule Temple knowing most of the time they're not going to be that good. So, a lot we'll see, of, we'll lot see what of we get. stuff from last year seems really irrelevant because I don't expect this game to look anything like that one. No, probably not. It, it's difficult. Which is to, a shame because that game ruled. Yeah, that, I mean. If, Michigan's 2020 was a treat. If Shiano hadn't gone full NFL in that second overtime, it could have been one of the, it could have been. His Louisville 2006 moment in this go-around, basically. That could have been a signature moment. Even in the weirdness of a COVID year, that would have meant a lot. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I would expect Michigan to prevail pretty easily here. Let me take a look before I forget. Uh, so, the line is Michigan minus 19. That feels like a bit much, but Michigan has I mean, also... I can see it being a 28-7 to 7 final, so... And they've also shown a little bit of a propensity to really get rolling if their run game is working, so... We'll see. That feels like a bit much. That's a lot of points, but they could very well do it. Um, oh, for some reason I left out Iowa and Colorado State. I guess because it's another game that should not be that interesting. Because Colorado State got hammered by an FCS team earlier this year. And then Vanderbilt, which yeah. arguably worse. Yeah, so um, I don't know how... Steve Adazio, who do. in another life is coaching Iowa... Like, there's a parallel dimension where Kirk Ferentz is the coach at Colorado State and Steve Adazio is the coach at Iowa, and they look exactly the same. I think Kirk would look pretty sharp and green, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so this, this is a 23-point Iowa line. The, the over-under is 44 and a half. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you, you, you want to tell me that this can't get to 31-13? Like, that's a perfectly plausible... 13. Yeah. Notre Dame at Wisconsin is the big one, though. Yeah, big nude game of the week. Obviously, the Jack Cohn revenge tour is going to be an interesting angle. Wisconsin, the last time we saw them, was just stumbling all over themselves offensively against Penn State. Notre Dame's not as good a defense. They've shown some real vulnerability at times. They held Purdue down, I know that. But to give up the points they did to Florida State, um, this this is a big game for Graham Mertz in particular, I think. He's got to show that he's actually capable of being the player he you know, that they thought that he was. Uh, otherwise, I mean, 
I think if you ever have your fans yearning for the yesteryear of Joel Stave, things have gone off the rail as the best quarterback in school history, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm not really sure what to make of this one because Wisconsin lost to Penn State and then they played kind of an inconsequential game against Eastern Michigan, mm-hmm. nor do I really know if Notre Dame is any good. Um, well, I th- I'm, I feel pretty good that Notre Dame is going to put some points on the board because they do have skill players. Their, their offensive weapons are good. Wisconsin is by far the best defense they will have played. True. True. But... They held Penn State to five first-half rushing yards, although Penn is, State can't run the ball. Is there a quarterback in college football right now who knows Wisconsin's defense better than Jackson? <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, that's, that, is, that is quite the line for... Uh, you know, the advertising line for this game, right? That's that's what the big matchup is. Um, Wisconsin is favored by 5.5 there. Over-under is 46.5. So, again, Vegas expects a relatively low-scoring game. I wonder. Um, I wonder about Notre Dame's defense. I think you could see Shea Melusi break a few long ones in this. I don't think that Wisconsin's going to have a whole lot of success throwing the ball because they just haven't recently. <laughs> But I do think Wisconsin is also going to have a hard time, at, you know, as we said with Purdue's defense last week, holding down Kyron Williams, Michael Mayer, um, Davis all game. I just think they're going to have a really difficult time with that. So, man, I was I actually, Chicago this past I weekend. Yeah, I haven't done my picks yet. It's going to be hard not to pick Notre Dame, I think. Not because I want them to win. Um, they have really done their best these last couple weeks to remind everyone how unlikable they are, top to bottom, program players, fans. Everybody, they, oh, they've remind, they've remind, they've woken the echoes in that sense of exactly how much most of us hate their guts. I do think Wisconsin is better than them, though. I I see Wisconsin winning this game only because I don't think Northwest or I'm, Notre Dame. I'm sorry, I, I was confusing teams. I really hate there for a second. I don't <laughs> think that Notre Dame is gonna be able to just so vastly out athlete them yeah, on offense that's that. True. It's going to not matter what they're running. Crowd split's going to be interesting. This game is being played at Soldier Field. Normally, you would imagine a Chicago crowd is going to be decisively pro Notre Dame, but Madison's not far, so this will be an interesting one. Yeah, um, that's. I mean, Notre Dame is, of course, the only college sports team that's covered in on uh, six seventy. The score uh, it was fairly irritating, but very understandable. Hey, at least at least we're not. At least it's not a rotation of Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan State. Uh, that would be a lot more annoying. Um, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people have been looking forward to this one for a long time. Um, what I'm looking forward to is in 2023, uh, Illinois at Kansas. That's kind of going to be the next one that really matters for us. Um, but, you know, what I did, I did have a discussion recently, and, like, yeah, obviously, like I'm just I'm just strapped in for two years of football purgatory now. There's nothing we can do. I think our coach is in over his head, uh, and he's doing he's done yeoman's work in the last two weeks to convince me of that. But Lions fans still have a lot of fun. Now, not all of them, but there are a lot of Lions fans that do have a lot of fun with this team, and yeah. they are in a much more hopeless situation than me because. The Fords are never going to go yep, away. Exactly. When you're a pro sports fan and you have a bad owner, it's just that's the rest of your life it's going to be like that because they're going to hand it over to their kids who are going to be even more incompetent at doing things uh, unless somebody buys them out. 
because they, they're not good enough. The, the only prayer is they, they get to the third generation of kid and he's bad at running all of the side hustles. And then the, the, the team becomes the big revenue generator for the family. And then eventually they get weak enough that somebody can buy them out. But point is, it's University of Illinois. People at all kinds of high-level positions turn over there all the time. I had three presidents in five years. Yeah. Um, so there's always hope that somebody's going to come along who really cares enough. Exactly. But with the Lions, like it's like the, there are few people in Detroit that know less about football than the Fords. I can't believe they hired... Well, no. I, I can't believe that I can't believe that they hired a Bill Belichick assistant in like 2018, well, and then they hired Dom Capers this year. Okay, so the Fords didn't hire Capers, the coach that they, like two hires down. True, yes. So I can't blame the Fords for Capers. And I do recall the coverage of the general manager search. Basically, the Fords asked the league for help, and the guy the league sent them was like, hey, hire this Belichick assistant. And they listened. Yeah. So Inside job. Not that anybody would, needs well, any help. But. Yeah, yeah. Definitely need the NFL to run. But everybody... And that's the thing. Like, I say that usually... I, I say that uh, the Fords know the least about football of anybody in Detroit. And usually there's all, always people on you know the radio and in conversations taking the optimistic view of the coach. That was not the case when they hired Matt Patricia. Everybody knew from the get-go, oh, this is going to be bad. Yeah. What, an, it, what, what a stupid thing to do. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. You could argue that in America anyway, <clears throat> hope springs more eternally for a, for a college program than any pro team because of that factor where if you have bad ownership, then you're just doomed forever. Um, even though college football has had some of the least parity of any popular American sport, you still always have that hope that, you know, there's no reason we can't, there's nothing really stopping us from getting the right guy in there someday. So this has been a very positive and uplifting segment. Let's take a quick turn around the non-con schedule for next week. Not a whole lot of stuff here that interested me. You do have undefeated SMU, undefeated TCU for the iron skillet. That's a noon kickoff Eastern time. Um, Texas Tech is. I like SMU in that game actually because yeah. Tanner Mordecai has been setting people on fire. He has, and this ain't exactly your your father's TCU defense anymore. Um, Texas Tech does go to a freshly two and one, no longer back Texas with Oregon transfer Tyler Schuff playing extremely well at quarterback for them as well. Could be another interesting. Texas one. Tech is a team that advanced stats really like. Yeah. So that's another, but you know, if, if you like to watch name brands flail hopelessly, that's a possible interesting one for you there. Um, skimming else. I'm going to be watching Charlotteville, Tennessee State. That's our opponent the next week. It's probably going to be our best chance for a Go win. Ahead, get a that, wide get, margin. Got to grind, always get that, get grinding, that grind tape. always grinding the tape. Got to, got to, got to do that. That, that could, that, only... that could be it. I'm plan. <clears throat> I'm, I made a plan even as I sat with my buddy Derek through the loss at an Illinois watch party. I did once stumble into a Colorado watch party in 2013. You remember how bad they were then? They hadn't been good no. for like a decade, <laughs> and they lost a conference game like 48 to nothing. I don't and this remember. big watch party, like people had come out for this. It was in, in DC. Okay, a lot of transplants everywhere. But like, yeah. Okay. Colorado alumni this is rented out this whole place for this watch party. I just stumbled in because it was this huge bar and I just happened to be there and it's forty eight to nothing. So I definitely vented at sadder watch parties than the one that I, I left fairly drunk and, and 
grumbling uh, on Friday. But anyway, my oh, buddy wow. that I was there with, we kind of made a pact that, all right, if we, we're going to go to Illinois still, uh, unless Illinois loses both of their next two games because they're probably not going to win another one before uh, Illinutkers because I think what Wisconsin and Penn State are the next two games. I don't know how you managed to shoehorn Illinois in there, but you found a way. You always find a way. Charlotte, man. Charlotte's a big one. Um, other games, if you're interested in the in the misery of name brands, 2-1 Louisville going to winless Florida State at 3-30. Uh, the only other ranked game on the schedule, aside from Wisconsin-Notre Dame, is Texas A&M and Arkansas. That's played at Jerry World because um, Jerry Jones is very wealthy, and he says so. But I mean, that's—I mean, look—that's a Arkansas is just outside the top fifteen. They've been dramatically better this year. You're not allowed to talk about Sam Pittman and his relationship to your current head coach. We've already covered that. Uh, no reruns on this podcast. Iowa State plays Baylor, who might be better than they're getting any credit for right now, yeah. and it's not clear if Iowa State is going to be all that great. Yeah, they, they should, they, in theory, be, but also they really struggled to put away Northern Iowa. Yeah, and then, of course, lost to Iowa State in a game where their offense looked absolutely horrible. Um, um, we, you've, you've got the spectacle of Wyoming going to 0-4 UConn. <laughs> Could be a funny one. Now, it's weird to say that Duke is probably one of the worst Power 5 teams because they just went and won a game against Big Ten. But, by three on the road. Yeah, they play Kansas. Um, so that could be interesting, uh, ironic viewing. There is some action starting up, so... Get get ready for Tuesday nights. It's not yet, but ooh, can't wait for those cold November Tuesdays. Yeah. One other game I will give everyone out there if you're interested in the genuine potential of a top five upset. Um, West Virginia going to Norman. So we've mentioned there's you know Oklahoma's had a couple games where they've been it's been touch and go one score victories at home. West Virginia, despite the opening week loss to Maryland, I've really liked their style when I've watched them. They've got a nice balanced offense. Um, Luddy Brown is a playmaker. They've got an experienced quarterback. Their defense is a step back from what it was last year, but still pretty good. And as you said, some concerning signs from Oklahoma. So if you're up for the late slate and you're not interested in what's going on in the Big Ten, consider West Virginia, Oklahoma on ABC. But if you're just a purist and you just want... You know, you don't care what the name on the uniform is. UAB at Tulane is thought to be a pretty competitive one because Bill Clark's UAB is still um, very highly regarded. Tulane is always a very interesting watch. I mean, they they are they are one of the most fun teams to watch. I think because also probably the best logo game you're ever going to see. A hundred percent. This is Willie Fritz is absolutely fearless. Um, Fighting Trogdors against Angry Water. Yeah, so that's that's one of the best logo matchups I've ever seen. But uh, yeah, that's that's for you. Of course, we'll let Emin Wildcat explain that to you. In don't watch this, watch that, which might be up the same day this goes out. Um, Read the rest of our content. If you're particularly into late night snuff films, you could also check out Windless Arizona going to Autzen Stadium. <laughs> Blood everywhere. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!